1: This is the Sue Freeze Show, talking about life, relationships, and achieving. We can the world. We can the world. Here's your host, Sue Freeze.
2: Thank you so much for joining in on the Sue Freeze Show today. Every week, we come together, and every week, there's a subject that needs to be talked about. And every week I come in and I'm thinking, wow, I don't know how this is going to go. Um, I have an idea of what I want to talk about. I ask the Lord's guidance with what he wants to have talked about. And so then it happens. People say, well, Sue, you you were the one that did the show. So why do you have to listen to the show? And I'm like, I don't even know what was said half the time because the Lord just kind of takes over. and the reason he does that is he, he, he asks us to be open vessels to be used for his glory. So we need to do our part, and then he definitely comes through and does his. So I don't know. Are you doing your part? That's a question you can ask yourself. Do you think you're doing all you can, and you don't have to do for others as far as controlling somebody else? You can't do that anyway. All you can do is focus on you. You have to focus on you. And part of focusing on you is being aware of what comes out of your mouth. And I mean this so sincere, so sincerely. So many times growing up, I had a father who was very harsh in his words. He he had a tone, he would yell at me, he would tell me that I was a bull in a china closet, or he would tell me, you know, I, I, I don't measure up, or he wished he had a boy and he had a girl. And those things are very hurtful. So I did my best to please. I did my best to do all I could to be the boy, girl, that he was wanting. And so I was a tomboy and I'm thankful for that. I have a lot of fun and I, I like being athletic and all those outdoorsy things instead of playing with dolls no offense and no problem if you like dolls um, but I was one that would rather play outdoors hide and seek go water skiing motorcycle riding those types of things I was very athletic still am and I love it I, I love doing that but each person has their own way and their own thinking and their own uh, everything you know we were, we were all created differently for a reason so I just want you and myself to focus on our words. Now, what we believe, a lot of the times people, if they're, if they're really evaluating you or let's say you're evaluating somebody, we can learn a lot about a person just by what they say, what they don't say, how they say it, and the words they choose, the actual words they choose for instance, I was talking to a person, and he was talking about uh, parenting, and he was, or or in school, teachers, and he was saying that when somebody does something wrong, that that you know you can chastise, and that word bothered me, that chastise word, because chastising to me is a negative factor. It's it's not a positive, and and my my rule, my my just my being, is that a discipline is from disciple and so when you're disciplining somebody you're telling them that they're not doing all that god created them to do and they're not being all that god created them to be and so the encouragement is is to bring them from a to b or b to a and so um our words are to be held captive so i'm going to uh bring in Some things that were brought to me uh, regarding this. And so I'm going to read and just follow along with me. This is from Reader's Digest. A catering manager was discussing a baby christening party with a young couple. She told the mother of the baby, you look like you've lost most of your pregnancy weight. The lady looked and said, thanks. Came the clenched teeth reply, we adopted. Oh, file that away in your memory as what never never to say right when in doubt don't say anything right that's the rule that's the lesson in that one and i know a lot of men more than women but i know a lot of men that sometimes get into that mistake of saying something and regretting it big time all right when it comes to pregnancy yes okay so try as we may we all have aired with our tongues James three two says if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. You know, while we may never achieve perfect control over our tongues, I'm convinced that if husbands and wives would consistently apply Ephesians four twenty nine, we would rarely see divorce. If parents practice this verse toward their children, we would see few children from Christian homes rebel against their parents. If we applied it towards one another in the church, we would see few churches split over personality conflicts or minor doctrinal issues. In short, Ephesians 4.29. Have you looked it up yet? Do you know what it says? Uh, Do you want to know what it says? I have a feeling with that buildup, you want to know what Ephesians 4.29 says. Am I right? Ah, yeah. Here it goes. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Did you catch that? So if ever you're in doubt, you could ask that test question. Is this edifying? Right? That's the question. Is this going to build someone up? Is this going to do something that's going to better this person? Or is this going to be something that's going to be hurtful, painful? It's a really good one, especially like in the gossip world. You have to ask yourself that question also. So as we've seen, 422, 24, Paul has taught us that believers will put off the old way of life. Be renewed in their minds and put on the new way of life, which is consistent with being a new creature in Christ. Then he goes from preaching to meddling by getting very specific. Put off falsehood and speak truth. Put on righteous anger, being careful not to let it spill over into sinful anger, which would give Satan a foothold in your life. Stop stealing and instead work hard and give to those in need. Now he says that Christians must transform their talk. Transformed talk is implicit in truthful speech, in righteous anger, and in not stealing, since stealing usually involves lying. Paul will also deal with our speech in 431. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and in 5, 3, and 4, impure speech, coarse jokes. So our talk is a major area where the gospel will make a huge difference. Just as you can often tell where someone is from by his accent, so people should be able to tell that you're a Christian by your transformed talk. Rather than using your words to tear down others, use them to build up others. We will follow Paul's outline by first looking at the problem and then at the solution. The problem, we can use our words to tear down others. I do not advise it, but if you turn on any TV show on any night of the week, you will not have to watch very long before you hear examples of speech that tears down others. Most of the humor, humor, it's just a joke, on TV sitcoms, comes from husbands and wives, parents and children, or coworkers putting each other down. I'm not a fan. I'm just not a fan. But that is a characteristic of the old life, not of our new life in Christ. If you want God to transform your speech in line with our text, you should not be watching, much less laughing at, shows where the humor comes from the people putting each other down. I had someone that was very close to me, and I was always used as the brunt of his jokes. And people said, well, you know, Sue, you don't have a sense of humor. You just don't have a sense of humor. And I'm like, I'm having a hard time here because I'm the brunt of the joke. you know. And it's okay for me to laugh at myself and for me to make me the center of the joke. But for somebody else to do that actually was not funny to me. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's painful. It's hurtful. It's not building me up. So I have learned firsthand what it feels like to be on the other side of that joke. So be careful about that, would you? Be careful about what you're joking about, because sometimes the joke is really not too funny. To get rid of unwholesome speech, you must identify it. That's what I was saying, right? You have to identify it. The Greek word translated unwholesome means rotten, useless, or unprofitable. It is used, Matthew seven seventeen and 18, to refer to rotten fruit, It is also used of rotten fish. So make your mouth a means of grace. You want to pay attention to what's coming out of your mouth because it contaminates. It will make you sick and it smells bad and creates an unpleasant atmosphere for anyone who gets near it. So Paul tells us to get rid of it like rotten fruit or fish. If you're tuning in right now, I just thank you so much. I feel so humbled. I feel so blessed to be on this show with you. And I just want you to understand that I would love it if you would share this show with other people, whether it's your spouse, your children, your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, your cousin, your aunt, your uncle. You know what I mean. Your friend, anybody that you feel this could be helpful, I wish you would just share it because it shows that you love them and that you want the relationship with whomever to be better. And don't we all want to have better relationships? I know I do. So, this is the Sue Free Show. And uh, I am recording this on KKLA. But to you, San Diegans out there, San Diego is such an amazing place. And I just thank you so much that you tune in with me each week. In Ventura, the word, thank you so much for tuning in and up in Santa Maria. Uh, you know, God bless you. I I just think it's so wonderful that we can come together. And on a side note, we're talking about words. And if you have a choice, for instance, me, if I have a choice to listen to my father, who's now gone, he's he's not on this earth anymore. I'm not sure where he is. That makes me sad. But my father is is gone. So I I I still though could choose to listen to those recorded. Statements, Or I could say, I rebuke that. That's really not me. I'm not accepting that as being me. It's not me. And I, re- I I choose, and you can too, to read what God says about you. And how do you know what that is? Some of you know to go to the Bible and read them. Or I've made it really simple for you. I've made it really easy for you because these scriptures can transform your life. If you need some transformation by the renewing of your mind, which is biblical, then this is how you do it. You go to my, my site, Sue fries, spelled spelt like fries, one word dot com. Go there and print. There's three pages of I am's. And these I am's are telling you what Christ says and who Christ says you are. Instead of a person, it's Christ and he created you in his image. So it's important that you read them day and night. And if you do that, for 30 days, just make a point, make a plan one day at a time, but read them every day until you've got them memorized in your head. You're victorious, you're a conqueror, you're a child of the most most high, the king of most high. If you do this, I'm telling you, you will be renewed and restored and transformed. And it is the Word's and believing the words. So go there and do that. There's also, if you go to sufreeze the second tile uh, also has ams and it's a video that you watch, and it explains how you can listen to your own voice speaking these kind of words over you because your mind and your soul listens to you more than anyone else. So it's really helpful. So... So what are some examples of rotten speech? We could probably come up with more, but here are 12 examples of rotten speech. Name-calling, put-downs, and trading insult for insult. Have you ever been in an argument? Did you fight fair? Did the other person fight fair? Because there is fighting fair and fighting not fair. (laughs) I've been in both, and I can tell you. If you really consider what you're trying to accomplish by having this argument— If it is to understand the other person and to be understood, first understand, then be understood. That was another uh, show. I think it was last week or the week before. When you do that, the whole goal is to draw near to each other, isn't it? It's to understand and to draw near. But if you're going to name call, if you're going to attack the character of a person instead of the issue at hand, so many people do that because you get in the heat of the moment and you just, man, you got to get the last word and you got to slam dunk that person and, you know, for what? Why? Treating insult for insult? How is that doing anything positive for anybody? It's just junk. It's just gross. It's just awful. So stop doing it. And often this is done for so-called humor, but it does not honor God or build up others. Peter three nine says that we should not return insult for insult, but give a blessing instead. That's not always easy to do, is it? Not always easy to do. The next one is inaccurate labeling. This is not usually as caustic as name-calling, but it still tends to tear down others by lumping them with a the negative group. Labels may be used in identifying where a person is at on an issue, but they become harmful when we use them too quickly write off someone because of some association so be careful <laughs> all these political things that have just gone through and Facebook just being so in your face uh, you know people that I think think one way and they think another I have to really check myself don't you on you know other, another person's views and my thing with that is, is you know we're, we're called to love one another and get along so you can have a difference of opinion it's how you treat others in that difference of opinion Sarcasm, ridicule, mockery. Godly people in the Bible occasionally use sarcasm, ridicule, and mockery against those who are leading people astray. Jesus ridiculed the Pharisees for their hypocrisy and legalism. But my experience is that using sarcasm is like righteous anger. It must be carefully controlled or it spills over into sin. I would advise you never to use sarcasm or ridicule as a couple toward each other or with your children. That is such good advice. Never mock something that a person cannot change, such as a physical feature or a family background issue. I have a friend right now, and we we keep going back and forth. It's kind of funny, but not funny about our driving, and we each think that we are a better driver. So we can we can agree to disagree. <laughs> But then you know, I told a story, and then that story was brought back to me. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. I'm never going to share another story with you if you're going to use that like that. And that was kind of funny. But not always is it funny. And I do believe I'm a better driver. And this person believes he's a better driver. So how, how do you gauge that? How do you gauge that? Time will tell, I guess. I'll keep you posted, all right? Blaming exaggerated attacks, blaming others, came in with a fall, and it is a major element in ungodly speech. Often it is coupled with exaggeration, such as you always, you never. Oh, we never do that. Or we always do that. You know, when I was early married, when I was um, uh, early on in my marriage, uh, this was one of the things that was brought up in counseling, is not using always and never. And so, you know, we're not taught these things, are we, in school? This isn't something you're taught in school. This is something you have to learn. And hopefully, like I said at the very beginning, we learn early and don't have to keep learning the same lessons over and over again, right? Let's just get it and move on. So so the thing is, is you know, let's not say always. Let's not say never. And we shouldn't be pointing at the other person. Another thing I learned is to let the other person know how it makes you feel when something is said or something happens, or when you said that, I felt like this. That way you're not really pointing the finger at them. You're just telling that person how you feel or how it made you feel. And and the other person doesn't have control over how you feel. But in understanding how it affects you and if that person values you, and this goes for you, if you value another person, then wouldn't you take measures to do something a little different if you could? I would think so. Here's, an, here's an, a suggestion or a, a story that I have. is I have a girlfriend, and she's used to using some language that I'm not used to hearing nor use. Uh, one starts with the, the F word. Um, I'm, not, I'm not into that word. I just don't. That word's not in my vocabulary. So she uses it quite frequently. And what she told me, she says, you know, Sue, since I've met you and I understand how that affects you, I have really done my best to curtail my use of that word. And another person that was close in my relationships kept using that word. And she went to that person and said, You know, I'm friends with Sue, and I have minimized the amount that I use this word. And if you really care about her, maybe you should think about doing that too. And I thought, What a wonderful friend! You know, that was a wonderful friend that was looking out for me. But isn't it true that if we have the ability to change something we're doing that's affecting another person in a negative way, and we value that person, why would we not want to do something different? Why would we not want to stop doing something that is affecting a person that we care about in a negative way? You know, I had a whole show on snoring, and snoring is something that's not easy But it's not impossible to at least take measure, make measures, take measures to make it more comfortable for both parties that are in the room. It's just called consideration. It's called being considerate and kind and loving towards another person, isn't it? I'm sorry if that offends anyone, but not really. I'm really not sorry because I really think we need to take responsibility for our part in this relationship in any relationship you have we each have a responsibility on how we talk when we listen the tone of our voice the delivery the timing all of it matters so griping and complaining those in the world gripe and complain about everything as you know if you have served in the military but christians Are to do all things without grumbling or complaining, Philippians 2.14, because all complaints are ultimately directed at God, who sovereignly ordains our circumstances. Rather than griping about the difficult people in your life, thank God for them, 1 Thessalonians. Now, if I roll back the clock just five minutes from now, I wasn't complaining and I wasn't griping about my individual situation. What I was doing was allowing you to see how this affects that. You know, I've dealt with my things and everything's cool. But if this uh, story uh, resonates with you, then you have a responsibility to listen and not do or listen and do something about it. And my feeling is, is if you have the ability to do something different, why would you not want to? Unless you just really don't care too much, which, ouch, that kind of hurts. Destructive criticism. This one is something else. If your words are not aimed at helping or healing, but only at venting your spleen, you are sinning, Proverbs 12.18 says. There is one who speaks rashly, like the thrusts of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. This is so interesting because I ask people when they come up and say, Oh, I listened to your show, and I'm like, Oh, I'm so happy. Do you have any suggestions on how I can make this show better? And some people are so humbled and nice and and wonderful and say that it's inspiring and encouraging. And then there's other people that say, you know, I'd really like it if... And I'm like, oh, that's really good. Thank you for that. And then I have other people that say, "Blah, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that really wasn't in the best of nature. Not that I don't want to hear it. It's the manner in which it was spoken. We will be back with more of The Sue Free Show right after this brief. Hi, this is Sue Fries, the termite lady from Ecola Termite and Pest Control. And I'm Tyson Fries, Sue's son, and also work at Ecola. I understand why Ecola is Southern California's number one alternative pest control company. As a child with asthma, my mother made it her number one priority to protect me from harmful chemicals and contaminants. I wrote a book about it called Learning to Breathe, about a love without bounds and a fight I refuse to lose. I'll always be thankful for my mom's love and strength during this struggle, which essentially saved my life. I'm proud knowing my mother and E. cares for our customers like my mom cared for me. We are offering $100 off any termite work and $50 off pest control for new customers. Just call 877-332-BUGS for details. That's 877-332-BUGS. Or online at termitelady.com. com. Ecola, powerful termite and pest control. As gentle as a butterfly. Love you, Mom. E. termite and pest control. 877 332 Bugs. Ah, this is the life, honey. A little rain, a little sun. And a delicious house to eat. Yeah, I love the taste of pine. Oh, Joey, is there anything better than being a termite? There is. Being a homeowner without termites like you. Hi, I'm Susan Freeze, owner of Ecola Termite Services, California's leading termite and pest control company. This time of year, termites are looking for a home, your home. Chances are, they've already moved in. Give them a little rain, a little sun, and they'll start swarming and nesting. Raising their kids thousands of hungry kids. We'll get rid of your unwelcome house guests quickly and conveniently. We use microwave, ElectroGun, and the Ecola heat process that effectively kills termites without the move-out hassle or embarrassment of tenting. Call us at 1-800-332- BUGS.
0: Joey, it's getting hot in here. Yeah, shocking too. Mother was right. You're
2: E.C.O.L.A., powerful termite and pest control, as gentle as a butterfly. Ask about our lifetime renewable warranty. Call 1-800-332-BUGS.
1: Here's your host, Sue Freeze.
2: Thank you, E.C.O.L.A., termite and pest management services, for sponsoring this show. You know... I'm just so grateful, and I just want to say that today in the studio with me, I have Tyson, my son, who you most of you have heard about. You've even maybe heard him on a radio spot, and he's just here kind of hanging out with me, uh, you know, listening to what uh, the show is about today. And it's just so nice, you know, to have your kids sometimes just kind of work alongside and come to work with you and whatnot. And it's just I'm very thankful for the time that I have with my kids. No matter how old they get, they're still my babies. And moms, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Yep. Um, So I want to read, before I get back into the meat, I want to read from Jesus Calling, Enjoying Peace in His presence. Sarah Young. This is what it says for today. And, you know, those that have listened along, you you know that. I don't read this ahead of time, and it's just so amazing how it goes right along. So, again, I'm going to say, I have not read this, and I have not. And I'm going to read it right now. You ready? Trust and thankfulness will get you safely through this day. Trust protects you from worrying and obsessing. Thankfulness keeps you from criticizing and complaining those sister sins that so easily entangle you. Keeping your eyes on me is the same thing as trusting me. It is a free choice that you must make thousands of times daily. The more you choose to trust me, the easier it becomes. Thought patterns of trust become etched into your brain. Relegate troubles to the periphery of your mind so that I can be central in your thoughts. Thus, you focus on me, entrusting your concerns into my care. Colossians two six seven. 7. So then, just as you received Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Psalm 141. But my eyes are fixed on you, O sovereign Lord. In you I take refuge. Do not give me over to death. And the last one, 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And you know, he does care for you. And I know what it feels like to have high anxiety. I've been there multiple, multiple times over different situations where you just feel like life isn't worth or it's just never going to go away. And you just don't know what to do. And it just gets like builds and builds and builds until where it's very hard to breathe. I know this. I know what it feels like. And I can tell you that cast all your anxiety on him because he does care for you. That's 1 Peter 5, 7 again, just in case you need to refer to it. I always like to give scriptures because I think scripture is where the strength comes. And if we really, really digest it, we really get it in our spirit. It can help calm whatever is going on. It can calm us. It's very good to do. We could probably come up with more examples of rotten speech, angry words, including threats and revenge. Such words are only trying to dominate or control the other person through fear and intimidation. Parents, of course, sometimes must warn a child of impeding consequences if his behavior doesn't change. But it should be done calmly with careful thought, not in the heat of anger. They say that about spanking, too. I know nowadays, spanking's just you're not supposed to spank a child. But you're not supposed to spank in anger. That is for sure. But it should be done calmly with careful thought, not in the heat of anger. I'm saying that again because I want you to hear that. The aim should be to help your child grow in godliness, not to get revenge or to intimidate. And that is the key. If we understand what we're trying to accomplish in any situation – It causes us to be in control of what's going on inside of us. If we really want this relationship to work, then we're going to have to do things a certain way to cause them to work. If we want to push people away, it's easy to push people away. Get mad, get angry, say things you don't really want to say, because that's going to push people away. And usually that's out of fear. You're scared of getting too close. You're scared of getting hurt. You're scared of failure. That's what those things do. Arguments where you seek to win so as to maintain power. As husbands and wives, when you disagree about something, your aim should never be to win the argument, but rather to promote godliness in your marriage. You've got to judge your pride and allow Jesus Christ truly to be Lord of your tongue. Deception, lies, and manipulative speech. We've already looked at this Using manipulative speech to get your way is a form of deception. There are so many people that live in the gray world. You know, they just think that if they don't, for instance, um, I had somebody working with me and I asked a question about something and they answered me with a yes or no. And then like two weeks later, I asked the question a little differently and I got more information. And two weeks went by, and I asked the question a little differently, and I got a little more information. And what that did to me was it made me realize that if I didn't ask exactly, specifically, the complete question, I was only going to get a piece of the truth. That's pretty uncomfortable in a relationship, especially if you're trying to keep the trust alive, if you're trying to keep the relationship growing. And healthy. You can't just give half truths. You can't just give a part of the story. You have to give the entire thing. How you're feeling, what you're thinking, all of that matters. Because how can you really grow as a couple if you're not really completely truthful and honest? And that's scary, isn't it? That is so scary. Because what if you let your vulnerability be known? And that other person hurts you. What if? But now let me ask you something. What if because you don't allow yourself to be vulnerable, the relationship is lost? What if? What a shoulda us? My feeling is, something I've learned in my many years of being on this earth, is that whatever you do, and this is biblical, whatever you do, do it with all your might. Whatever you do, give it your all. Just give it your all, whether it's working, in your relationships, with your children. No matter what you're doing, give it all you got. And yeah, it's kind of scary to put yourself out there. I know. I've got hurt. I've been hurt many times. You know, just giving somebody a loan because you trust them, that you believe in them and you trust them and then they don't pay you back doing something extra above and beyond because you can do it and then get burned. That person uh, steals from you or lies to you or whatever. I mean, these things have happened to me. And people say, man, how can you still keep trusting? How can you still be nice? How can you be so kind? You know, Don't you feel like people are taking advantage of you? Maybe. But I believe in paying it forward. And I have to answer to my heavenly father. And if he's giving me the means, yes, I have to prepare and I have to be prudent and I have to be, you know, that women's intuition thing. I have to I have to kick that in gear and I have to ask the Lord's guidance in all things. But once we've done all those things and, you know, we still move forward. Yeah, we might get hurt, but we also might get hurt if we don't put it all out there. Right. If you don't lay it all out there, you don't just give it your all. At work, it says, you know, to give it to God, you know, to do it for God, not for your boss, but for God. Do the best you can at all things. Are you? Only you know, you and God. That's between you and God. Well, if you work for somebody, maybe your boss knows too. But You know, and in relationships, your spouse knows. Your spouse knows if you're giving it all up and if you trust and if you feel safe or if they feel safe or not. Relationships will not endure without trust and without safety. And if you can't be vulnerable and just let it let it hang out a little bit, then it's really not all that you think it is. Deception, lies, and manipulative speech. It's so sad. Deception and lies um lately I've been learning a lot about that. And I know how much it hurts. Therefore, I know how much I don't want to be in that. So we are called to have healthy boundaries. If you know of somebody that is not going to treat you right and not do the right thing by you, it's important that you put up a boundary with that person. It doesn't matter who they are really. The healthy boundary is the Lord cares enough about you and loves you so much that he gave his only son for you. So therefore, it's important that you value you enough to realize that you don't have to put up with something that's less than what God would want for you. And I know that's really difficult for some people. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Sue Freeze show. Sue Freeze, spelt like fries, one word.com. Go to my website on there. You will find so many things for free. You will find podcasts for eight and a half years. Can't even believe it. Sue Freeze has a TV show now on LA 36, and that's on just TV, channel 36. It's pretty crazy when you think about it. I'm pretty amazed. And also we have uh, a lot of other different things on there for free and not for free. And I just recently put up a page, and this page is, if you are needing extra income, I have some products that people ask me about all the time that say, you know, how do you keep so healthy? Or how do you, you know, what is the lipstick you're wearing? Or what, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> and so I decided that I was going to put all of these companies that I believe in on one page and give you access on one page to, for you to check it out for yourself. And when you check it out for yourself, if you want to purchase some, you can purchase right there. Uh, if you want to become a distributor, and earn some extra income because you're a stay at home mom and you just want something and these products are something you're gonna use on a regular basis anyway. You can get them at a discount and actually you can share it with other people because you believe in the products. Don't do it unless you believe in them. You know, you can go on and you can make some extra money by sharing what you've learned. You know, in any business I you know, for my business I have salespeople and my salespeople go out and they they teach customers about our process. And by doing that, there is something in it for them. People say, oh, multi-level. I don't want to get in that multi-level stuff. But any business has multi-level. So understand that. it's, It's not a bad word. It really is not a bad word. And it's something that could help you. If somebody is handicapped, if somebody has something where they can't leave the house, they can't drive, they can't get to a job, this is something you can do from your home. You just need a phone and a computer. Very simply. And... This one product that I drink all the time, um, I, I just love this product. So check it out. Just check it out. Please go on there and check it out. So gossip and slander, often gossip and slander spread partial truths mixed with falsehood to make the other person look bad. Sometimes gossip and slander may be true, but the one you're telling has no need to know the information. Sometimes it is done under the cover. I wanted you to know so you could pray. Oh, brother. Often the one spreading gossip is feeding his pride by being in the know. Which one are you? You know, if if it's not something that I need to know, I don't want to know. Just keep me out of it. Just keep me out of it. Profanity. We talked about that a little bit before. We are not to take the Lord's name in vain. This includes using shortened forms of Lord's name, such as I would not even say it. But I often hear Christians say it. Oh, geez. The same applies to the frequently used expression, oh, my God. Filthy talk and coarse jokes. Paul specifically hits this on 5, 3, and 4. It includes all dirty jokes and using words for sex, which ought to be sacred as swear words. You know what I'm talking about. So I talked a lot about the profanity thing. And in here, it's talking about using Jesus' name in vain. And I went to church this last Sunday and I went to a new church, kind of a neat little story. I was in uh, where I bought my new house and I was looking at other open houses because I'm just curious about what other people do. You know, I want want to see how other people decorate and what they do with this and that, whatever. And so it was two doors down from where I was going. So I said, oh man, I'm just going to go check that out. I went over there and the the real estate agent wasn't there. I went, hello, hello, hello. And nobody was there. And finally he shows up because he was putting signs down the street. And we got to talk in, and come to find out he's a pastor, a youth pastor, for a church. And I said, oh, really? I said, we're looking for a church. You know, what church do you go to? So that was on a Saturday day, and that Saturday night he invited us to his church. And it was wonderful. And what the church was talking about was the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ of Nazarene. And he was talking about the power in the name Jesus. And, you know, I've known this. I, I, I'm a mature Christian. I know this. I've fought the uh, the battle in the spirit before and uh, I have not done it in quite a while and it was really an eye-opener and I just believe I totally believe that it was an appointment from God he created this appointment created this relationship and it's just beginning but I found a church the words that were spoken at this church were exactly what I needed to hear to understand the power in the name of Jesus And it's not to be used in vain. It's to be used with power. And you know, when you think about all the other religions, like Buddha and whatnot, you never hear people say, Oh, Buddha. Do you? Do you ever hear that? No, it's always Jesus. Isn't it? So I think that's very interesting. The solution as new creatures in Christ. Use your words to build up others. Paul says that we should use only such a word as... Is good for edification according to the need. The translators added of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Five things. To build up others, you must be a new creature in Christ. Do you understand what that means to be a new creature in Christ? Unbelievers may learn how to communicate civilly, but Paul is talking here about the transformation that stems from putting on the new man which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. If you teach an unbeliever how to communicate in a nice way, you're just putting a tuxedo on a pig. You haven't changed his nature, which is prone to pride and self-seeking. So his nice speech is really just a tool to get his way or to manipulate people for his own goals. But the Christian uses godly speech to glorify his Savior. It is a completely new motive stemming from the new birth. To build up others with wholesome words, such words must first be in your thoughts. The deeds of the flesh include Galatians five twenty twenty one, 21, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying. Jesus said, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulterers, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. He also said, you brood of vipers. How can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. So evil speech is rooted in an evil heart, which is why genuine conversion is the foundation for transformed talk. But I have even found Christians who do not judge their sin on the thought level, and so their evil thoughts escalate into evil words and often into evil actions. For example, a couple is having conflict in their marriage. He digs in his heels and she clams up in anger. He storms out of the door in the morning and throughout the day. He thinks that woman is so fill in the blank. It's a no brainer. After both of them have spent the day thinking such sinful thoughts about each other, they aren't going to have a wonderful evening together. When he gets home from work, their mouths will speak out of the sinful overflow of their hearts. The solution is judge your evil thoughts. Examine your own sins and shortcomings and ask God and your mate to forgive you. Take the log out of your own eye. Then thank God throughout the day for your mate and pray for him or her to be a godly person. Think about how you can speak in such a way that will build up your mate. If you think twice before you speak once, you will speak twice, the better for it. Better to say nothing than not to the purpose and to speak pertinently consider both what is fit and what is it. fit to speak leadership summer 1986 William Penn I think wrote that to build up others use wholesome words in Paul's words what is good for edification use words that will help the other person to grow in godliness you can think of more but here are nine examples of wholesome words encouragement and praise Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you also are doing. Too often, parents only criticize or correct their kids. Instead, catch your kids doing something right and praise them for it. Encourage them in areas where they are doing well. Do the same with your mate. That also works in the workplace. When you find your employee doing something well, let them know that you see it, that you you know appreciate it. Next one is appreciation and gratefulness. This is related to encouragement and praise, and it must come from the heart, not as flattery or manipulation. If you are thinking rightly about your mate or children or co-workers, express it verbally. Tell them how much you appreciate all that they are doing. They won't know it if you don't put it into words. Loving words. Say often, I love you. Say it to your mate, to your children, and to your parents. Someone has said, if we knew that the world would end in 10 minutes, everyone would be on the phone telling someone else, I love you. Patient words. Love is patient. First 1 Corinthians 13.4 This is often expressed not only by words, but also by facial expression and body language. Sometimes you should say, that's okay, you're doing fine. Impatience communicates pride on your part because you're really saying, if you just get it together like me, things would be okay. Ah, whew. Kind words. Love is kind. You should especially be kind when someone has done something dumb or has failed. It is tempting to ridicule the person. But at that moment, godly words of kindness are needed. You can say something like, you know, I've done the same thing many times. It's okay. Gentle words. The fruit of the Spirit includes gentleness. The Greek word does not imply weakness, but rather strength under control. The gentle person is under the control of the spirit who is pictured as a gentle dove. Gentleness means thinking about how the other person feels and how your words will make him feel. Scripture that God has used in your life. I'm not talking about preaching or using scripture to berate the other person, but rather using scripture as God has taught you. This is probably the most edifying kind of speech because God's word is given to build us up in faith you can say a verse that god used in my life when i was discouraged was be anxious for nothing was one of mine be anxious for nothing words of loving correction when needed sometimes we must use our words to correct someone who was thinking or acting wrongly never just lash out even if the person is in the wrong rather always pray and think about how to speak in the most effective manner with the aim of helping the person to grow in Christ. Every pastor and every Christian should know and practice. 2 Timothy 2, 25. The Lord's bond servant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient with wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth prayer sometimes you may not know what to say but you can always say i don't have the answer to this problem but god does let's ask for his wisdom and help to build up others be sensitive to their needs paul says that you must use words of edification according to the need this implies that you are sensitive enough to understand what the person's real needs are if you don't understand the person's needs even well-intentioned words can often hurt more than they heal So how do you find out the person's needs? And that's all we can talk about today. So listen, do what you can. Listen to this more than once. I think there's a lot of information here. Be a blessing to someone each and every day and do what you can to be the best you for God. Bye-bye.